You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. Welcome everybody to another episode of Uncensored Direct Marketing. Today I have Jonathan Boyd, who is a seven-figure a month owner, offer owner. Uh, we have Jonathan's built a really cool course on um, about music and guitar playing. Uh, I'll let Jonathan give us a little bit more information about all of the guitar stuff, but I just did want to mention how we met Jonathan and how we connected uh, and how I think you're a brilliant entrepreneur and um, you're, you're just really killing it. Uh, so Jonathan and I met through, we met through Copy Accelerator, I guess. You had some some processing questions or, or some, some payment questions, which are my favorite, you know, obviously my favorite topic. And we were able to connect through there. Uh, and I'm always happy to hear from you and hear about your successes and so forth. So can you tell us a little bit about your program and um, just kind of what's, what's been keeping you busy since COVID started? Because I know that your program really... Whoosh, uh, during the COVID era. So I, I think people would be interested in hearing that. Yeah. So first of all, it's awesome to be here. I'm glad we're getting a chance to talk and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, regarding the COVID thing, the first thing that comes to mind is actually Fender, Fender Guitars said that they had their record year. They sold more guitars uh, than any other year in history last year. So, you know, when everybody's locked up at home, they have their guitar in the corner or there's something that they've already, they've, they've always wanted to do. You know, I guess they just whip out the guitar and start, you know, trying to buy programs online and figure out how to play it, I guess. Wow. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But about the actual, uh, you know, the program itself, we have several different, I guess you would say, programs. Um, depending on what somebody's interested in, what they're struggling with and what they want to be able to do on guitar. But the main thing I think that kind of underpins everything that we do is is just in general, the core philosophy. And if you listen to music, which I've never met a person who doesn't listen to music, uh, then you, you there's songs that you like and there's songs that you don't like. And the difference between the songs you like and the songs that you don't like is literally how, that, how it makes you feel. The ones that make you feel good, you want to keep listening to because it makes you feel good. The ones that, you know, maybe you don't like Taylor Swift on the radio or something. It's like, eh, I'm going to turn that off. But the, the point is all humans, uh, at least all the humans that I've met or ever heard of, they know what sounds make them feel good. And we have an entire industry, what I call music education 1.0. We can go down this rabbit hole uh, if you want to later. But basically where we have a scenario where throughout history, uh, the way music has been taught and the way that the, the common man, if you will, has has learned how to play music. If you can think of maybe back in like the, midi the medieval days where we have the, the clergy, we have the, the king and the clergy and they essentially control all the peasants they control the land they could like surf them right they control yeah. what people do they control mainly what people think um they invented if you look throughout history they invented certain holidays just to literally control people's behavior and music the music education industry has been that way as far as i know throughout history and hasn't changed until now uh, in modern times, we have, you know, what's called the information age. Now we're moving into the imagination age, which we can talk about more if you want to. But music is still stuck in, you know, the, the not even really the industrial age, but we'll call it the industrial age where all of the, the knowledge comes from the king and the clergy. Meaning if you're not, uh, you know, if you can't pay $100,000 or more to go to an insanely good music school, and even those people don't 
a lot of times don't really know how music works when they come out. Or if you're not lucky enough to, you know, be born next to somebody who's an amazing guitar player, it also happens to be an amazing teacher who can teach you music in a way. Uh, and that applies for any instrument, by the way, but that can teach you in a way that you actually understand. You're pretty much screwed. So you, it's, it's like you, you're, you've been, the masses have been essentially the peasants um, and they've been at the whim, if you will, of what I call music education 1.0, which is even though technology has advanced and we have a zillion YouTube videos and articles everywhere, it actually just exacerbated the main problem, which is uh, the way that music is delivered and communicated to people, uh, the common man, the peasants, if you will, uh, it just plain doesn't make sense. Playing an actual in actual instrument is hard. Like it's physically hard to play guitar. It sucks to yeah. learn how to play guitar. Same thing with piano, trumpet, whatever. Um, and then whenever you also think about combining that with trying to learn what most people think of as music, they think of symbols and numbers and charts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, mentally, it feels hard. And it's like this huge mountain that you have to climb up in order to ever be one of the lucky few who can play music. And the reality is all humans already know how to play music. It's, it's a natural language. In fact, they say music is a universal language, but if you look up the statistics, literally less than, less than 19% of people on the planet speak it, which is ridiculous. So my point is, the reason I said all of that is because the underpinning philosophy of everything that we're doing is starts with how music works first based on how you feel. You don't have to study study music, study notes, all that kind of stuff to actually be able to pick up an instrument and express yourself. And by starting with that, people realize that, oh, I can do this. Like I had there, there's a there's a great phrase that, that I, I use all the time and I love uh, from Benjamin Disraeli. He is a he was a prime minister in the 1870s in the UK. And he said most people go to their graves or he's actually said most people die with their music still locked up inside them. And because of music education 1.0, uh, that's that's the that's the reason I think. So ultimately, like I said, we can talk about the big, the bigger vision uh, long term and how we're going to change all this. But the under underlying philosophy of what we're doing is music as a language first, without having to learn an instrument and without having to uh, learn what most people think of as music. And therefore, it's a lot easier. People can express themselves. They get excited about it. And we all know that you know music in general is is like therapy uh brings people together it allows you to de-stress after a, a long day or uh it kind of marks um it's all they're almost like anthems throughout your life you know that one song that you used to listen to with yeah. x group of friends in high school it's, it's it's and everybody feels that so if everybody can access it well as a whole new we musical revolution well, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. And I agree with exactly what you said with the, you know, music is hard. I remember when we were doing music in high school and stuff, they're like, well, if you're good in math, then you're going to learn music. So you already just disqualified everybody that doesn't consider themselves good in math. And I was good in math personally, and I still couldn't figure out anything. <laughs> we're doing. I was like, what the hell is this? I was like, I, I can't follow any of this stuff. And uh, my teacher did think I was quite talented at the recorder. Uh, I did it for two years. Uh, and it, it was it was I actually as geeky as this sounds I loved it I really loved it I used to drive my mom nuts because I used to practice it and stuff like that but they did give a lot of um you know like a, a 
if you're good at math or if you're this or if you're that, there were so many steps to say like, you know, uh, this is what you need to be good at music that it, it, it does push people away. And the one thing that I love about everything that you said before is, you know, we meet a lot of entrepreneurs and I've had some of them, you know, on the podcast and I talk to a lot of people, but you actually show such a true passion for what you're selling. I mean, everybody's passionate about what they're selling, but you're just like intensely loving the space. So I think, you know, just that in obviously in combination with your, your business acumen and the fact that you know about traffic and you know about all this different stuff is just a, a winning formula. So uh, I am still excited to, to kind of dive in about, you know, the ins and outs of music and the ins and outs of business. So it's, it's pretty interesting that you have both these loves. I'm curious talking about the music side. So you must be a really excellent guitar player or, or how would you qualify yourself in terms of a guitar player? It depends on who's making the judgment. Um, from the top of a mountain, uh, a mountain that's half the size looks small, but yeah. from sea level, the half size mountain looks huge. So it just depends on where you're sitting. Okay. Um, can I pick up a guitar and pretty much play what I hear, like what I feel in the moment in real time? Yes. And that, but that's been a goal of mine. Like that's just what I like to do. Yeah. Um, and that, that can tie later to, you know, we can talk about Puerto Rico and part of the reason why I chose the lifestyle and one of the, the weird things that I like to do is just not put on a shirt until I have to. Like, I don't, I don't just don't want to wear a shirt. And, you know, <laughs> unless I'm coming on an interview or something, I'm just, I just, this goes back to the fundamental or the essence of what you were describing as the passion for the industry, the passion for the drive to help other people be more free. That applies in not only music, of course, but uh, in business, uh, just somebody's life goals in general, but I guess as a side effect of that, I also like to physically be more free and not wear clothes and yeah. <laughs> at least shirts, you know. We're, we're not having a nudist moment here. So we're not having a nudist moment. Yeah, he's, he's wearing pants and he's wearing a shirt. I'm a shirt about this. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting that you took your passion and something that obviously is innate in you, because, uh, for me, I, I, you know, sometimes people are like, well, how'd you get into like merchant accounts and stuff like that? And, and it's like, well, you can't be passionate about merchant accounts. Well, actually you can be, in my opinion, because I just like the technology aspect of it is like connecting things and seeing how, you know, it, it has a lot to do with like conversions and the mechanics of it. And for me as a business owner, I get to talk to people like you. And then I talk to people who sell supplements and I talk to people who sell adult entertainment and all these different things. So for me, it just kind of was a well-rounded industry. So, you know, the same for you is that, you know, you have this like very freedom um, vibe about you and, and just your life is led like that. So obviously this is a natural progression. So when you started your business and you, you kind of started the, the course and, um, and we're putting this out there, what was your, you know, a couple of things that you did to actually first, before we get there, um, how long have you been doing this? Like how long have you had this, this business and, and been growing it? So that's a great question. And actually, I'm glad you went to the second question first, because that's where I was going to start with your first question. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, you know, there's the phrase, there's a quote, success is not an accident. And most people don't know, like when, when they look at our business now and they're they see that, you know, you went we, we literally 109 X our business from last January to this January. Wow. And pe people see that and it's like, oh, well, you know, what, what, how did you strike that gold? How did that happen? Like, how did you, how you get so lucky? You know, it's the perfect industry. It's the perfect this, it's the perfect that. And that's just not true. I mean, the truth is I uh, dropped out of grad school twice. I, I have a degree in mechanical engineering. 
I went to grad school for materials engineering, absolutely hated it, and I dropped out. Um, and then I happened to go to another program for, it was kind of like an entrepreneurship program disguised as in the engineering school somehow, I don't know how. <laughs> the director of the program was an entrepreneur. And um, I, at the time I had been reading, you know, like four hour work week, and that's when all that, those kind of books started coming out. And I started reading about blogs and making money online and all that. I wasn't doing any research for school. Uh, I was reading like Rich Dad Poor Dad in the lab that I was supposed to be doing research. And um, I went to the the second semester of the second program that I was in. I went to the uh, the director and he became kind of like my first mentor. He was the first person that I met in real life that read books like uh, self-development books and business books. And long story short, I pulled him aside the second, the first day of the second semester and we walked down the hall right before we started class. And I was like, look, man, you know, I've been playing music for a long time. I've been researching business. And uh, I used to do the whole thing about cutting people's yards, cutting people, cutting the grass for money and all that. And I talked to him for a while and it's like, you know, look, I think, I think I can start teaching guitar uh, because it's, you know, the skill that I have already have. And there's obviously there's a market there. I mean, people take guitar lessons and they have for years and years. Um, in fact, fun fact, apparently commercial music dates back to around 50,000 years ago, which is kind of interesting. But, um, yeah. So anyway, you know, I talked to him for a while. I was like, look, I'm going to go to seminars. I'm going to read books. I'm going to take courses. I'm going to do this. He didn't say anything the whole time. He was just looking at the floor and I finally got done and he just paused and he looked at me and and I told him I was, you know, I'm going to quit school. I'm going to go start a guitar school. I'm going to go start like, you know, teaching lessons and turn it into an actual business. And he didn't say anything. And then at the very end, he just looked up at me and said, that's what I would do. So I quit. <laughs> so that, that I, I literally started uh, learning how to write flyers. That's how I learned how to write headlines and, and, you know, call out pain points and write calls to action and things like that. I went with the mailbag. I used to deliver flyers door to door. You know, you can get it on Facebook or, or Google. You can get an impression. You can get millions or you know, tens of millions or hundreds of millions of impressions in one day. And when you're delivering flyers door to door, you can get one impression in about two and a half minutes. So this is a big difference, right? That's where things started. And um, I eventually discovered uh, landing pages, learned how to to write landing pages and then Google AdWords. So, you know, I could sit in my office, sit in my studio at that point and have people, you know, uh, come to me, fill out forms instead of me going out there and sweating every day and delivering, you know, a hundred flyers in an hour, wasting a bunch of time. Um, so I actually had a commercial guitar school for a while before all of this happened. And wow. before I had this, you know, online business and when I had the school, I, that's when I kind of whittled my target market down to adult male career professionals who had been playing guitar, who had been playing guitar for a while and got stuck, or they, they just got to the point where, Maybe they learned, you know, a few bits and pieces of songs, a few riffs. Maybe they could read guitar tabs. Maybe not. Um, maybe they could play a few songs. They've likely taken lessons from other people, bought courses, bought books, etc. And they just couldn't put it all together. They just they couldn't figure out how to turn all that stuff into music, uh, how to connect it all together and, and actually pick up the guitar and play it without thinking and, and sound musical and, and not sound like they're just some dude messing around on a, on a guitar. And that became the the target market. And, you know, again, long story short, progressing from there, of course, I built up a student base, but eventually 
uh, read, here's a good open loop for you, read MJ DeMarco's book, The Millionaire Fast Lane. And that's the first time I discovered that number one, the purpose of a business is not to make money. If you go down the street and ask a hundred people, what's, what's the purpose of a business? 99 of them will probably say to make money, but the purpose of a business is to solve a problem. And the second quote is if you want to make a billion dollars, you know, solve a problem that helps a billion people. And that can lead us later. That's a big rabbit hole, but that can lead us later to our 2030 vision. Um, But back to the question now, through having the the in-person school, uh, developing different methods, developing different analogies. I'm, you know, I just tend to be very naturally inclined toward analogies, analogies and metaphors. And for some reason, I've been able to package um, what people are trying to learn, the essence that they're trying to to get to, to what they're trying to put together yeah. with music um, into extremely simple stories and analogies that just totally make sense. Uh, and that's why, actually, um, we found that with this target market, uh, essentially, I, discuss, I just described most of their pain points that they've been trying for a long time. They're losing belief in themselves that they are you know, talented enough or skilled enough or, or whatever to be able to actually play music and have it sound like something to be able to express themselves. And they're just looking for that, that aha. They're just looking for that missing link, that, that thing that they're missing that's just going to tie it all together and put it all together. And that's the reason why I created... Uh, a free course called the ultimate lead guitar light bulb moment. And it's throughout the time of having this school, I identified one moment, if you will, one uh, epiphany, one situation that we can engineer that causes people to, to get it. And to, even after um, we've even had students uh, who have been playing for seven decades and they say that, you know, I've been playing for 70 years and I've never been able to put it all together. And you just brought it all together for me. You, you, this all came together in the last two days, in the last two weeks, in the last two months. Um, we, we get testimonials by clockwork that say I've been playing for 40 years and this finally put it all together. I've been playing for 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, and nothing has, has made it click until this. Wow. And um, Are you free to say? Are you free to say what that that is for most sure yeah so you'd have to number one if you are a guitar player you'd have to actually go through the the course it's very short you could do it about an hour but you have to go through the course to see how it works like physically you have to actually do it to get it there's a a old zen saying to know and not to do is not yet to know but um essentially going back to what we were talking about from the very beginning is that you're just essentially removing all the clutter all the noise from music education 1.0 from all the people out there saying learn this scale learn this circle of fifths learn this theory learn these notes learn all this stuff that just makes you have to think this is the biggest problem people think that in order to play music and specifically guitar let's just talk about guitar but this applies for every instrument people think that in order to Uh, play music and to be good at it that you first have to learn an instrument and learn music sounds reasonable right that you have to go through the go through the steps of learning maybe even how to read music what all the notes are uh you know how theory works and the truth is that doing that actually takes you further away from being able to play music because it makes you have to think yeah. If you look at any famous musician, they're always going to say something like uh, specifically. Here's a specific example. There was a great jazz guitar player named Joe Pass, famous legendary guitar player in the jazz world. He said, you can't think and play. 
if you think about what you're playing, the playing becomes stilted. And that's the problem that virtually all guitar players experience when they're trying to learn how to be creative with the guitar, how to just freely express themselves. And the reason they run into that roadblock is because they're climbing up the ladder of music education 1.0, which is all these teachers and articles and books and, and stuff out there telling them to learn the technical part, the technical side of what they call music theory. But the truth is, we already talked about this, that every human being knows what songs they like and what songs they don't like. Uh, meaning, if we go deeper, every human knows what feelings, make the, what sounds rather, make them feel good. And if you can show somebody how to play the, the feelings, essentially, without having to think about what they're doing, they're naturally going to start uh, feeling the different sounds. If they have, let's say, seven different notes to choose from, yeah. everybody is naturally going to start feeling, well, if I hit this one, it sounds pretty good, but I feel like I want to go up or I feel like I want to go this way. And everybody has this ability. So if you just set up a situation, and this is what this, this free course does, uh, the ultimate lead guitar light bulb moment, it sets up a situation to where, to where you have these notes at your disposal that happen to all be the right notes. It's just that all the right notes have varying degrees of feel good, if you will. They all feel good just to a different degree at a different time. So as music is playing in the background, you literally naturally feel which way you want to go with the music. And that's how that's like the, the first light bulb moment where people realize that, oh, it's it's actually really easy. I just I can hit the right notes and it sounds good. And I just let my ear guide me to which which feeling I want to or what sound I want to feel at the moment. It's it's nice to hear, you know, the passion that you have for for your business. It's not it's not. And and the one thing that, you know, I caution a lot of entrepreneurs and people, you know, I, I've I've been doing, you know, I've been leading direct painter for 12 years and I've been in the industry for for a really long time. And, you know, we always hear, oh, Jonathan won, you know, uh, 109 X his business in one year and he went from making this to this. But like nobody talks about, you know, it took Jonathan opening a school, doing market research, talking to people, putting out an offer, delivering flyers, you know, th this whole kind of stuff that happens. And same thing with happens with me. It's like, okay, yes, I've reached a level where I know a lot about merchant accounts. And I, I still learn every day. Like we, we spoke about, you know, some of the situations that you're encountering as a business owner in Puerto Rico and some of the challenges. And I'm like leaning on you to get knowledge. So I'm like, wait a second, how is this possible? <laughs> possible? But it's, you know, it's, it's seldom that we hear the challenges of like, you know, my first year in business making $17,000. Um, you know, does anybody talk about that? No, people talk about what I'm doing now, which is, you know, all this great stuff and making a lot of money and all this, but yeah, $17,000 is the first year of direct payments. That's how much I made. Um, and that's really tough <laughs> to, 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 you know, to, to pay your bills and, and use, use it for capital for your business and so forth. So it's important to, for everybody to kind of understand the story and the processes that you don't get to make a, a seven, seven figure per month offer in, in one year. You, you went from 2000, 5000, 20000, 100000 and just kind of mushroom from there and you just and, and I do find that once you get to the higher numbers it's it almost becomes a little bit easier because you know the formula. Uh, the, it's the first numbers that are always the hardest, the first few clients, the first few challenges that you have that really build you as an entrepreneur. But you did touch upon something that I found very interesting that I wanted to kind of bring back is that you said one of your offer creatives is just like a 1200 word text. I, I took a note of that. I was, I was like, huh? Uh, so you said it's a 1200 word text with just black font, not the greatest. So how often do you test creatives and, and 
what makes it a win? What, what makes you, let's say, for example, dump a creative versus say this one has potential. Obviously there's numbers behind it, but sometimes, you know, you feel strongly about something and, and you, you work a lot with your intuition, but I'm curious why that creative has stayed to be, you know, your number one. And how often do you change creatives to, to make your, to see if you can beat your controls? Yeah. So that's a great question. And, um, there's a couple of different answers here. So, you know, honestly, how, how often do we change creative? My, my philosophy is as little as possible. Like, I don't want to do extra work, right? If it, right. a phrase that I, a phrase that, that we say all the time is in when it comes to media buying and, and offers and whatnot, if it works, let it work. Um, why would I, I mean, you can try to beat it. I personally never, never been able to beat that particular page. Um, but if it works, let it work. And then uh, one thing that I learned from Mark Ford is he, he said, this is kind of a, uh, I guess a bigger idea based on one thing that he said, but when it comes to testing, testing offers, he said, Mark says, test the things that scream, not the things that whisper. And we've all heard if, if you've been in marketing or optimization or, you know, funnels or whatever for any length of time, We've all heard, test the button color, test the headline, you know, test all that kind of stuff. And the reality is like, yeah, you can get gains doing that. Yeah, you can get, you can double your conversions with a headline test. You know, does it happen often? No, but can you do it? Yes. But the thing is how much effort does it take to do all that? Like where is the, the line of diminishing returns? And if we talk about testing the things that scream, <clears throat> a, very, a very easy, obvious example is like, let's say we have one sales page and instead of changing the headline, it's a, I don't know, it's a, it's an offer for a pair of shoes. Well, if we're selling, um, let's say a pair of shoes to people who are, I don't know, uh, somewhere on some remote Island and they don't even wear shoes, you think that offer is going to convert very well? No because they don't want shoes. But if you yeah. change it to like a loincloth or something or a spear or, you know, whatever they use, well, of course your, your results are just gonna take completely change. You're gonna completely skyrocket. The point here is that you can test headlines and you can optimize and I think you should to a point. However, if you zoom out and you, you think about, let's say you have one offer and maybe the one offer is doing really, really great and you could spend a week, two weeks, a month, a year, trying to optimize that offer, trying to boost the AOV, trying to boost the conversions, et cetera. And again, to, to an extent, I think you should, but what's worth paying attention to more is what's gonna boost your, your results more. Having an offer where you're gonna change the headline and get a 30% boost at most, or just simply having another, having another offer. Like nice, a, a great phrase that I love from, that I got from my mentor, Roger Hamilton. Uh, which, by the way, if nobody has read the book Wink, not Think, Wink and Grow Rich by Roger Hamilton, I highly recommend it. You can get it for free on Google PDF. But he says, don't add complexity, multiply simplicity. I, You know what? I, You just said the opposite of what I hear most of the time. Obviously, I'm not an offer owner. I have a business that helps offer owners. But I hear test, 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 test this, test that, test that. And now what you're saying is, is you know, obviously, if something works, continue with it and then just create another offer. So for me, that's very logical because if you have let's say, you know, depending on what level your business is at, obviously, but if you have a whole bunch of buyers, these are people who have bought from you 
sell them more stuff. They already like what you sold them. So creating another offer for your pool of buyers is probably going to be a lot more worthwhile than trying to test a control that's already maybe doing pretty pretty well. And and you're just kind of trying to game the system. But um, I find that really interesting. And I love to hear different perspectives of like how people grow their businesses and what they do. But that's that's genius, especially when you start getting, you know, even to, let's say, the six figures a month level, you, you got a good pool of buyers. And for me, for my business, like I have a lot of cold leads, you know, we have a lot of cold leads because we have like a lot of SEO stuff going on and whatever. But my best buyers are always referrals or people who have started other businesses from the main business. And that's where I get the best people to work with. And the people who spend, you know, they don't spend money for, with us, but, you know, that maximize their processing with us. Uh, so why reinvent the wheel? Why not do what works, which is ask for referrals or ask for, you know, if, if people want, you know, are buying one program, one guitar program, well, maybe they want something to hone in on a specific skill. And I don't know anything about music, so I won't sound like I know what they're looking <laughs> for. But uh, it's 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 super interesting, you know, to hear that is that, you know, uh, and every entrepreneur has a different way and their secret sauce. So I love that that's your secret sauce. And that's what, you know, uh, helps you get there. Uh, in terms of, you know, talking about, you know, testing stuff and, and working through different offers and so forth. Is there anything in terms of technology? Because this is always a question that I always wonder when people have these like super successful offers and they have teams and so forth. What is the technology behind that you use that you're like, you know, this piece of software, this is awesome stuff. This is, you know, everybody needs this for tracking this or whatever the case is. So I'm just curious. And, and, and for everybody listening, we're not promoting anything. Nobody's paying us. There's no affiliate links. We're just chatting. So I'll let Jonathan tell us his favorite stuff that he uses. So I, I guess I, I tend to have a contrarian approach on a lot of points, especially in our marketing, but I, I honestly love to, I would love to not use any tech whatsoever. I, I don't, I don't, okay. the, 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 the least amount of stuff or software, or whatever that we can use to accomplish something, the better, because it's simpler. It's just, it, to me, it's it's not what, the tech isn't what matters. It's again, it all, always, always, always comes down to the offer. This is something I wanted to mention earlier that you just made me think of. Um, when you, let's say you mentioned something about us having a, a landing page that's 1200 words, it's just black and white, no pictures. It's very plain, very basic, et cetera. And it's just worked like, as they say, gangbusters. And the analogy that I always use is like, well, I mean, if, if somebody, if you if you stumbled across, like you're walking down the street in a city and you stumbled across a little fortune from a fortune cookie and it was all dirty and beat up and crumpled up and you you opened it up and it said, uh, you know, there's there's a mil, there's a million dollars or you can have, a, let's say, $10 million uh, if you walk, I don't know four blocks this way and seven blocks this way. And it's just underneath the front tire of a red Toyota Corolla in the back alley of uh, a bar or something like that. If number one, that'd have to be believable, right? But if it was believable, dude, you drop everything. You don't give a shit what you're doing at that point during the day. If you're going shopping, if you're going to meet lunch with somebody, who cares? You're going to, you're going to take that little message and you're going to go get what you're going to go get what the promise is. You're probably going to run. You're going to run a few blocks down the street, make sure nobody's looking at you. You're going to go get your $10 million, right? That's the, that's the promise. That's the offer. The point is it's not about the packaging. It's, I mean, does it make it, does it have an effect? Yes. But is it the essence of what matters? No. So the point is that like whatever the packaging is, whatever the message is delivered in, like whatever software, this goes for what your landing pages look like. This goes for what softwares you're using, et cetera. At the end of the day, the most important thing by far is what the hell the message says. 
what is the promise? What is the actual offer? Like people will crawl over broken glass to go get $10 million on bare naked knees. Like they'll, they'll do whatever you want if you can make the offer good enough. And again, that's why, that's why I choose not to focus so much on the technology aspect. Um, but I mean, yeah, I guess now that I think about it, we don't really have anything fancy that we use. We literally just use about as fancy as we get for tracking is that we do use Hyros now because, you know, I don't know if it's specifically due to the iOS 14 updates or whatever, but tracking on Google's platform and Facebook is totally screwed up at this point. So to have any visibility whatsoever, we do have to use Hyros, but for me personally, that's as fancy as it gets. I love the philosophical way. And I love that you have no, you're, you're not, you're not giving any of the regular answers that we hear, which is what, you know, I, I specifically love. But if you have, do you have any parting words or anything that you want to say to uh, to people listening? The last thing I'll say, uh, uh, going off of the note that we just talked about regarding if you're going with the current, <clears throat> then you're going the right way. Another way that you can tell that you're going the right way is... Um, Buckminster Fuller, what he, he, there's a concept of lag time. And we've all, I think, well, some of us have heard the, the term synchronicity when things just are serendipitous, things just happen to happen. Uh, meaning, let's say you decide that one day you're going to quit your job. Uh, you've been wrestling with the, with the situation. You've been wrestling with the idea for a long time. You hate your job. You've been thinking about it for a year and you just don't know what you're, what else you're going to do. And you, you think about starting this business, but you just you don't really know if you can do it or not. You don't really know if it's going to be successful. The fear is holding you back, etc. And then one day, you you finally you finally just get fed up, and you're like, screw it, I'm quitting. This is it. I'm done. And then the next morning, maybe you get an email where somebody says, hey, you remember that uh, physical therapy therapy situation? Uh, sorry physical therapy session that you helped me with the other day, I'd love to, you know, take personal training classes from you. Boom. It just happens. Yeah. And Buckminster Fuller again has this concept of lag. And what he's what is what's it what's what it's talking about is just like if we think about flow, you know, being a current and a river, uh, if you we're gonna go philosophical again. <laughs> if you drop a leaf in a river, what's it gonna do? In a flowing river. It's going to float away. It's going to just float. It's going to go with the flow, right? Yeah. Instantly. Yeah. Yeah. If you drop a human in a river, what's it going to do? Straight to the bottom. <laughs> well, it'll go straight to the bottom. It'll like try to, you know, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll crazy fight for a while. It'll try to get to the top. It. Yeah. It'll fight. It'll cling to a rock, etc. Yeah. But it's like that point when you, you realize that you staying in that job is you clinging to the rock. And as soon as you let go, you're automatically in flow. Yeah. And when you're in flow, things start to happen. And this, the, the shorter the, the distance or the shorter the time distance between something that you think about doing that is within your direction of flow or within your current, meaning within the natural flow of who you are and what you are supposed to be doing, that's a totally another topic, things just start happening. And the, the, the lag time is the time between when you decide to do whatever the thing is versus, uh, excuse me, the, the time between when you decide to do whatever the thing is and then you know to the time that it takes for that thing to happen or that thing to show up meaning like you're looking for one client going back to the you just want to quit your job situation you've been looking for one client it just hasn't showed up because you've been clinging on to this rock that's your business i mean excuse me that's your job that you hate 
as soon as you let go of the job, now you're automatically in flow. And the next morning, that person sends you the email about wanting to become a client. Instantly, you have a business. Yeah. So the, the way that you know, Buckminster Fuller's philosophy is that the way that you know you're going in the right direction is that your lag time gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. So when things start appearing out of nowhere, people start appearing out of nowhere, that's how you know you're on the right track. So just yeah. keep going on that track. I, I completely agree. My final thought on that is, uh, you know, anecdotal quick story. It took me 11 months to find my first client, uh, 11 months. And the reason was I was just looking everywhere instead of honing into exactly what I know, which is high risk and high risk business models and, you know, direct response. That's what I knew. But I was trying again, just like you said, going away from, you know, what what I knew and was like, well, maybe I can find some low risk business. Maybe I can find some people in e-commerce. Maybe I can find people in Europe. Maybe I can find people here. And I was just looking everywhere that finally, when I said, uh, I say 11 months, but really it was probably 45 days when I said, okay, fuck this. I'm just doing high risk. I'm just doing the right response. I'm just working on supplements. I'm going to work. That was like, obviously when I was on my own in my little apartment, trying to find a couple of clients, that's exactly what happened. I found that first client and when I got, when I met him, he asked me to go with him to a meeting, just a random meeting he was having about media buying. And I was like, what the hell do I have to do there? I don't know. Like, I don't know much about media, but I'm like, sure. <laughs> and I literally met up with a random guy in New York. He asked me to go with him to a media buying meeting. And I had a, I ended up meeting shoe money. Jeremy Shoe a shoemaker who's actually um, you know Justin Goff talks about shoe money and so forth. He's like the original OG of 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 like biz ops and stuff like that. And it was just we just passed by each other in the hallway, and the guy I was with was like, "Hey, shoe, don't you need merchant accounts?" He's like, "Yeah, sure." And he's like, "Talk to Maria," and he's like, "Okay." I was like what? I just got my second client in like five seconds by this one meeting. You know what I mean? It just, things started happening. So I, 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 you know, it's energy and it's also what you're attracting. So it's pretty, uh, pretty awesome that like after, you know, your whole journey and, and everything that you've been through that you still don't rely on specific technology, don't rely on specific tools and really just go with the flow. And it just has consistently worked and just increase your business. So um, I thank you so much, Jonathan. This was really uh, unexpected conversation um, because as everybody knows who's listening, like we don't really script out the episodes. We kind of, again, go with the flow. Um, and I try to, you know, get our guests to go to different places, depending on what their comfort level is. So I actually thought we were going to start talking about specific metrics and things that you look for. And then we went to, into a more uh, philosophical conversation, which I'm really happy about because it gives, it gives us a little bit of a different feel. So for everybody listening, please share this episode uh, with all up and coming business owners. And if you've been in business for a while, uh, it's always good to kind of go back to the basics and listen to Jonathan's advice. Um, so subscribe, share and like, leave us your comments. And we're going to have some very interesting resources for you uh, in the show notes. So feel free to take a look. So thank you for listening and have yourself a great day. And again, thank you, Jonathan, for all your time. Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once. 